Her husband was a police officer. He was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. He was arrested, tried, and convicted for multiple charges. She's here to tell her story. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. In the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, we are joined by special guests talking about their experiences, their realities of investigating crimes, plus those who have experienced horrendous trauma, police, first responders, military, and victims of crime share their stories. Hi, I'm John J. Wiley. In addition to being a broadcaster, I'm also a retired police sergeant. Be sure to check out our website, letradio.com, and also like us on Facebook. Search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Of all the radio stations in the United States, there are no other shows like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. And be sure to like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show Facebook page. Contact us from Tennessee. We have Sarah Maccabee on the phone. Sarah is the wife of a former police officer, ex-police officer now. And he was... In Washington, D.C., for January 6th, he was arrested and recently convicted, waiting for sentencing. And I believe he pled guilty to one other charge in September 2023. Sarah, first of all, thanks for being a guest on the show. And secondly, thanks so much for talking about this, because I, I know it's not a comfortable situation for you to discuss. No, it's not. But I appreciate you giving us a platform to to speak about these things that are happening to our law enforcement officers. Well, one of the things I want people to know right away, and and this is a major reason why I started this show, is there's no platform. There, there is very little national platforms for law enforcement officers, for their family members, their spouses to tell their stories about their experience. What we are inundated with in the news in particular is media, speculation, opinion, and we're not going to discuss the facts of the case. We're here to to talk about Sarah's story. And uh, Sarah, you've got a unique story. First of all, how long were you and Ronald married before this happened? Uh, We were married five years when they, with our anniversary right before they took him. Was he uh, an active law enforcement officer when he was arrested? He was not. He was on January 6th, but he had moved into the business field when they came to get him. Okay. And he was arrested, I believe, uh, from from what I read in Nashville, Tennessee? Yes, in August of 2021. All right. So we know this happened in January 6th. Uh, I I saw some of the videos, and uh, I'm not going to make a lot of comment, pros and cons. I can see both sides, but there were certain things that occurred when officers are assaulted. I have a huge huge problem with and I, I can't justify it all so for those who are hoping we're going to talk about that i hate to break it to you we're not what we want to talk about is something that i'm sure no one's asked you hey sarah tell us your story what happened what did you go through how did it impact you let's start with before january 6th what was life like for you two yeah so before january 6th we were your normal american family uh, Colton was a law enforcement officer, and I had a corporate career as the vice president of a company, and it was very much normal. You know, we went to church, we hung out with family and friends, and um, it, it's funny to look back on that life because that life is very different than how it is now. It's nowhere near the same. You've got like before this incident, life before, and life after. Am I am I oversimplifying this? 
No, absolutely. And the, you know, one of the drastic things, um, other than the situation itself is the people, um, that you thought were going to be in your life and that supported you. And that loyalty just went right out the door. Um, and so we have a whole new set of, of people that support us too, which is a very, you know, a lot of people don't talk about that. Um, it's not something that people want to, discuss is when storms come into your life there are people that walk away from you there are and look i'm i'm guilty as charged i'm one of those people and and the perfect example i give is is a woman named kim her husband he worked for me as a police officer uh when i was promoted sergeant my first squad his name was william we called him billy and about two months after i transferred he was shot and killed and from that day in the line of duty and from that day I always treated Kim differently because I was afraid. I was afraid of saying the wrong thing. And she fetched me up sharply. She said, listen, the worst has already happened. You can't make it worse. And by the way, if I don't want to talk about it, I'll let you know I don't want to talk about it. But don't ignore me. That's the worst thing you can do. No, you're absolutely right. And when people don't know what to say, they say nothing at all. Right. And so I think that's very profound what, what Kim said. You know, if the damage is already done, there's nothing that you can say that's going to make it worse. But I also think that people don't understand saying nothing at all. It's, it's just as bad as saying the wrong thing, right? Because it's there's that support system in place. And I think it was very courageous and very profound what she said. Well, before January 6th, Ronald was your husband's name, and he was a law enforcement officer in what agency? Um, he was Williamson. If most of his career was Cherokee County in Georgia, north of Atlanta. Uh-huh. And then we, during COVID, we uh, moved back closer to home, Nashville, and he was Williamson County. Gotcha. And he had a, a well-documented, decorated career. Uh, absolutely. Seven years law enforcement, uh, you know, had life-saving awards and um, was somebody, you know, one of the good officers, the people that you want on the line of duty, people that you want responding to you. Right. Uh, look, I had a reputation, whether it be justified or not, I, I like to think it was. Uh, if things got really bad, I was one of the guys you want to see come through the door. And that was one of my strengths. One of my weaknesses was maybe I wasn't as uh, prolonged, long-term, good investigator as others. We had all kinds of multiple roles that we all have filled, but they were all heroic. They did heroic things all the time. And I love these people. Uh, But when my career was over, when I got hurt, life went on. They had a job to do. They had families to do. And we lost touch rather rapidly. Yeah, I think you see that in any field, honestly. It's, um, you know, your your friends by associations or acquaintances by associations. And you do have those people that stick out in the long run. Um, but life goes on. And that's something that you sometimes have to learn the hard way. And I don't think it's necessarily something you can hold against somebody else. But, you know, there are things that happen in our life that take us out of the game for a while, but other people's lives can continue to go on. Right. I, I had uh, a phone conversation just yesterday with a, a former police officer, and he's a former officer in, in Alabama. And 
and he asked me about my police career and I said, look, I loved the job. I loved being a police officer. It didn't love me back. It took a heck of a toll on my family. It took a heck of a toll on me physically, my physical health, I'm physically disabled, but it took a big toll on my emotional mental health as well. Were those factors in Ronald's situation? Oh, absolutely, 100%, and in a lot of different aspects. And I think people go into this career because they want to help and they want to serve, that their heart is drawn to it. But there's a lot of stuff that happens behind closed doors that people don't get to see, that they don't put in the public eye. And a lot of it has to do with their mental and emotional health from the stuff they have seen and witnessed over the years. Right, and the people who paid the toll are our family members, our spouses. Uh, and I'm sure you went through some of that as well. Yes, absolutely. You know, just trying to be there to support him through different situations, different scenarios, you know, because the person that you see behind closed doors is different than the person who puts that badge on every single day in the uniform. You know, these people are heroic you know, men and women and behind closed doors, it's a different story. And it does take a toll on, uh, on your marriage, on your relationship with other family members. Um, you know, I think it's a very brave thing for these individuals to do, but it does come at a high cost. It does. We're talking with Sarah Maccabee. Her husband, ex-police officer, was arrested at January 6th and he was convicted. When we return, we're going to talk about what happened, what she went through, what she still continues to go through, stories we never hear about. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com. That's jay at letradio.com. Return conversation with Sarah Maccabee on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. She is connecting with us from the state of Tennessee. Her husband, Ronald Colton Maccabee, was a police officer, a sheriff's officer in Tennessee. Uh, he was one of the people at the January 6th incident. Uh, he was arrested, which we'll talk about in a few moments. And uh, he was found guilty on five different charges, I believe. And in September of 2023, he pled guilty on another charge. And he's waiting sentencing. And you just got back to Tennessee from, from Washington, D.C., correct? Yes, that is correct. So, I, I look, again, I said this before. It's, it's emotionally upsetting to talk about. I appreciate you talking about this. And, and add into that that you just went through this trial yesterday. And I'm sure it didn't turn out the way you wanted. Uh, that you're willing to speak about it on a nationally syndicated radio show really is impressive. Yeah, you know, it's it's disheartening. It's not something that, um, it is something that we expected, uh, just because simply we have seen what the outcomes of these have been. And the situation is quite unique in a lot of different aspects. But, you know, what you would think your justice system would be in America, it is quite the opposite. And it does take a toll on, you know, every single person involved, family members, loved ones, friends, acquaintances, um, because we want justice in America. Um, That's what, you know, every law enforcement officer um, upholds their oath of office and stands for is justice. 
And when you don't have justice for all, you have it for certain individuals, two-tiered or even many-tiered. Many-tiered. It's disheartening. Yeah. And look, look that's not new. Uh, and I hate to say this, I'm considerably older than you. We were talking about that in the 1980s. As a matter of fact, right. everybody that shot at me, with the exception of the, the first juveniles, had multiple prior arrests and convictions. And we're supposed to do time. And they're out early. And they're career criminals. And they're called career criminals for a reason because they repeat the same behavior over and over again. And that's not new. Uh, but if I did something, and this is my little editorial here, if I did something, people would come down on me harshly. Now, here's an example. If you hear a police officer does something that is illegal and they get arrested, people would turn and say, well, we need to hold them to a higher standard. Why? Why can't you have the same standard for everybody? That's absolutely what we said, and, and especially in this case in particular, and I'm sure other cases as well, is I don't think because you wear a badge, anybody should be above the law. It doesn't matter if they are career criminals in and out. That, that's part of the system that's broken that I you know, discuss is the justice system is broken from A to Z, not only in the court system, but in the prison system as well. Oh, oh, when yeah. these people are career criminals, they are not rehabbed into being contributive members of society. That's why they don't mind continuing their criminal path that's and right. ending up back in jail. Well, if that's all you know, that's what you revert to. Uh, what the old saying is, we go to what is comfortable, not necessarily what's the healthiest for us. It's comfortable because we know we've done it before. We know how to act. Uh, so you were happily married. You had the, the white picket fence type life. And then he went to D.C. for January 6th. Did you hear anything about this when it was a return that, hey, things turned south, things went bad? Yeah, he actually called me um, that evening when he was walking back to the hotel and told me everything that had happened. And um, it did come as a shock. Um, you know, I'll be honest, the the decision to go to January 6th wasn't a very popular decision in our household, simply because he wasn't a car accident just nine days prior. So I didn't feel like he was in any shape to be in a sort of crowd as he was that day. And then after the entire incident happened, he called me and I just told him that he needed to get home. Um, having no idea that when they would come for him in August, that we would still be in this mess 26 months later. One of the things that we talked before this interview and Look, I got enough jackpots during the job that one of the things I wouldn't do is I was very particular about who I hung with when I was off duty. And there are certain things I would volunteer for and things I wouldn't, but there were people I would not be associated with whatsoever because they always got into stuff and I didn't need the extra heat. Uh, and I, was that part of the conversation for you as well? Um, afterwards, absolutely. Um, I think that's one thing that, uh, we discussed over our, you know, relationship is you are who you associate with. Yeah. And so there are people that you might be on the job with and have to be associated with them during that time, but you would never choose to be associated with them outside of your work life. Well, there are people that I absolutely love and there were some that we just tolerated each other. And that's the, the honest truth. And um, I got to ask you this. He came home. Did, was there a period of time where you said, oh, okay, we can move beyond this point? Because he wasn't arrested right away. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, After he had told me what had happened, I knew that this could have happened anywhere in America, right? When you are a law enforcement officer, it doesn't matter if you're on duty or off duty, you are trained to jump in and assist when there is chaos that breaks out around you. And I, like I said earlier, I never thought 26 months later, you and I would be having a conversation about it and just experiencing what we experienced in trial and all these trials and tribulations that have come through. Um, I, I just, I knew the system was broken. I just didn't know how broken it was. And as I said, there were bad things that happened that day. And that if we are going to hold people accountable, we need to hold them accountable across the board. I, I agree with you hundred uh, percent, but I, I want to focus a little bit more on you. When he came home prior to being arrested, did you have any fear and trepidation that this could really, really be bad and have sleepless nights? To be honest with you, no, I didn't because I knew who he was as a person. I knew um, what I thought I knew the system to be. And while at some point I thought maybe they would come and speak to him about the situation, I never thought it would be like this. And they came for him on August 17th. I was not home. I was traveling on the West Coast for work. And I tried to get a hold of him that morning because I knew he was going into his job and I couldn't get a hold of him. And he got a new boss. So I kind of just let it be. I had asked my mom, hey, have you talked to him today? And she said, no, she had talked to him last night. And then um, I guess it was probably about two hours after that, I received a back-to-back phone call from an unknown number. And I answered it, and they said, this is so-and-so with the FBI. We just apprehended your husband. We are walking into your house to raid it. And they had asked me a series of questions. And so at that point, I was just in in shock, honestly. It was like an outer body experience um, of just my whole entire life flashing before my eyes, right, And, and figuring out what I needed to do since I was not home. And so I had contacted my parents who basically are his parents as well, told them at least what I knew. And I went to the airport and I hopped a flight home that day. Um, And at that point, we were really just going through the motions, right? Um, The people that thought they knew the system was like, no, he'll be home on bond. That's, That's not a problem. And, you know, here we are almost 800 days into it and he is still not home. And so it's, it was a matter of literally day by day, the changes that were happening, trying to figure out, you know, keeping everything together on the home front, but then also trying to support him through this situation. We are talking with Sarah Maccabee. Sarah is in Tennessee. Her husband, former police officer, Ronald Colton Maccabee, was at January 6th. He was arrested, which will turn our conversation about that. He was just recently convicted of multiple charges and pled guilty to another charge last month, September of 2023. And she's here telling her story, how this affected her, what she went through. We've got so much more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and be sure to click like. Turn our conversation with Sarah Maccabee on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Her husband, former ex-police officer, Ronald Colton Maccabee, was in Washington, D.C. for January 6th. He was part of the incidents that occurred there. He was arrested in Nashville, Tennessee. He was recently convicted of five counts 
Uh, I believe it was on October 11th, 2023, and September 25th of 2023, he pled guilty to another count, and he's awaiting sentencing. We for the break, Sarah, you're talking about life before. You talked about what occurred. When he was arrested, you weren't there. You were in California. Yes, that is correct. So you never saw him again free? Correct. When I left on August 13th, uh, when I was leaving for the airport, that was the last time I would see him until April of 2023. The first time I saw him was behind glass after he had been incarcerated a year and a half. You went a year and a half without seeing him or talking to him? I could talk to him um, on the phone, but due to the different measures that um, the individual facilities had in place for COVID, I was not able to lay eyes on him. And he was arrested on federal charges, not state. Yes, correct. He had always been held in a federal holding facility. Actually, when he was first arrested, he was held in Kentucky because Tennessee did not have any federal holding facilities. And um, he had been in he had been six different facilities, moved seven different times. And that really took a toll on our family, Um, not only for the fact that we couldn't see him, but when he was held in one of the facilities in Kentucky, they told me that I could have a 15 minute uh, face-to-face visit with him. And I got there that morning. I'd woke up in the wee hours of the morning to drive up there. I got there. And when I went in to see him, they told me he was moved, you know, that morning, 15 minutes prior to me getting there, he had been moved to another facility. And so that was just another heart wrenching moment when after everything you had gone through, you're finally able to to see your loved one and then you drive all the way, you get there and then you're told that they're not there anymore. So there's been several things that have happened along, not only you're dealing with this situation as a whole, but then there's several different things that have happened along the way that you were just, it was another sucker punch to the gut. I got her direct uh, back to the day he was arrested. You were in California on business. You got notification from the FBI that he was in custody. So then you had to plan your flight back home. What was going through your mind? It's like, is this the end of the world or we'll get through this? Um, You know, I really didn't know what to expect, right? Um, Because I knew the story. I, you know, we were very cooperative because that's what you're trained to do. You know, we had nothing to hide. And so it was very just much a surreal, surreal moment. And the fact that, you know, the FBI literally apprehended your husband, he's being interrogated, they're, they're raiding your house. And it was just a matter of, of even guessing what the next step is in this situation. How long did it take you to get home? Um, I got a flight home the same day. I was home that evening, um, and I came into a house that was absolutely destroyed. That was one of the first things I had to do was to pick up the pieces of my house and put it back together. I I really don't know how to respond to that uh, because I've been on the the side of executing search and seizure warrants, and I know what what happens. Usually there there were drugs and violent criminals. This is a different scenario. Uh, and it was a totally different mindset. However, it was quite often very destructive. Uh, was that a good term for you in your case? Was it destructive? 
Yeah, it absolutely was. You know, they came in with knowing exactly what they were going to get with the with the warrant. There was 14 items on it. A lot of it was clothing and the stuff that he was wearing that day. But then, you know, I think one of the most shocking things to me was that they had took they had taken our front porch flag. Wow, that doesn't make sense at all. The clothing I can understand. Getting evidence I can understand. The flag I I, I don't quite comprehend the reasoning behind that. So I think I think that's part of the thing too. A lot of this, it's been you know eye opening in a lot of ways, but confusing in a lot of other ways. And and going back to how it's you know affected me is almost having to navigate a lot of this on my own. Because as you know, when somebody is incarcerated, all the phone calls are monitored, recorded, and listened to. And so there were a lot of things. I didn't speak to him about a lot about his case until I saw him in person for the first time a year and a half later. So a lot of it was a lot of unknown, um, a lot of scary moments, and just having, unfortunately, to walk this path a lot on my own. Well, you say on your own. I already know the answer to this, but I, I got to ask you. When a, a police officer is arrested for something, everybody tends to abandon you like the plague. Was that what happened? Yeah, they absolutely did. Um, we had a lot of my family that stuck by our side. He came from a very dysfunctional family, unfortunately, and they ran for the hills immediately. And, the, and as you said, with law enforcement, that's what we experienced as well. The people, even some of his best friends on the force, you know, just, just were no longer there for us. And I used to be as guilty as, as many people, uh, especially when I was younger. And if they said so-and-so did this and they arrest him, well, that must be the facts. That must be the, the reality. A lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, and each case is different, people are unjustly convicted. And we've seen it time and time again, not just with police officers, but other stuff, other people as well. Uh, did, did the thought ever enter your mind that, well, he's never coming home, he's going to be convicted, and he's going to get sentenced to prison? Did the thought ever enter your mind that that was what you were looking at? No. Honestly, no, because I'm a very optimistic person and I believe in what America should be. And I wasn't, I guess you could say I was naive in that aspect, even though my husband was a law enforcement officer. Um, And so I never really thought I was very realistic about the situation when things started to come out about other similar cases. Um, but I never really thought, I always thought he would come home on bond because there was no reason for them to hold him as he's an upstanding member of the community. And if he could come home, we could somewhat get our life back together, figure out the process in the meantime, and then whatever comes next, deal with it together. Um, but this situation has been very eye opening to me. Well, again, Kudos to you for even being able to talk about it. I don't know if I could talk about it at all. Uh, There are things that I went through that I won't talk about with people I don't know. And I'm not talking about on a radio show because it's not just my story. It's my mom's story. It's my ex-wife's story. It's my current wife's story. It's my daughter's story. Uh, They share the same name. But emotionally, things get too raw. And I start sounding like... uh, uh, a lunatic after a while because I get emotionally wrapped up in it and you're not doing that which is kind of surprising um, I 
you know, I grant a lot of my strength from the Lord, um, but I do believe that these stories need to be talked about because our story is not necessarily unique into what happens to some law enforcement officers and their families. And I want them to know that they aren't alone in this. It's a very scary thing of the unknown, but we have to band together to be able to get through this, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, whatever it might look like, um, we have to be we have to be one and people need to know that there's others out there like them that that are suffering. Did you say a bunch of prayers before we did this interview? You're like, don't let me be an I, idiot. I do. I, I ask for the Lord to give me the right words. Um, because there are some things that do make me very angry and I don't want to come off that way. Right. Um the situation is a very bad situation. But I do believe that there will be good things that come of this, whether it's just the people that we've met, whether it's long-term goals. Um, you know, I just try to keep my eyes on the silver lining here. Well, here's the reality. No matter how right I am factually about something, the moment I raise my voice and I'm angry, people can discount what I say. And they're like, see, you're acting like an idiot. You're out of control. You're emotional. So we don't have to listen to you. So what people do is they push buttons to get their response. And and by the way, those buttons I built, so I'm responsible for my reaction to them. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. We return. We're going to talk about the future for Sarah Maccabee and what they're looking at facing. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. I promise you. Eye-opening stuff hanging away. We'll be right back. Discover the exciting world of podcasts at hefepods.com. From captivating stories to life advice and much more, there's a podcast for every interest and passion. Be entertained by your favorite radio personalities in both English and Spanish. Don't waste any more time. Find a great English or Spanish language podcast to follow and discover a world of possibilities in your own language. Find the best podcasts at chefepods.com. I want to tell you about a product, actually a line of products, that have changed my life dramatically health products. I know many of you like me are skeptical about claims made for these nutritional supplements. However, these Juice Plus products have made a world of difference for me. The simplest, cheapest, least expensive product they have. As a result of taking it, a chewable berry flavored product. I've had full night's sleep every night and zero leg cramps. I know doesn't seem like a lot, but getting good night's sleep and having a stable mood helps me quite a bit. You can get more details about Juice Plus products at letpops.com. That's letpops.com. And for those of you looking for a great business opportunity, check out letpops.com. Return our conversation with Sarah Maccabee on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Sarah's contact is from Tennessee. She is the wife, the spouse of a ex-police officer, Ronald Colton Maccabee. He was in Washington, D.C. for January 6th. He was arrested due to some things that occurred there uh, and just convicted of five counts awaiting sentencing. He pled guilty to another count, uh, a related count, in September of 2023. And she just got back from Washington and is telling her story. Sarah, he's looking at sentencing, I believe, in February of 2024, 
what kind of sentence is possible? You know, to be honest with you, I don't really know. Um, we are going through um, kind of the different things that you go through prior to sentencing where I'll have a better idea. He was on a case of nine originally. He was number seven named on it. And the sentences have been all over the board. You've had something of 36 months, 54 months, and then sentences still awaiting. And so it's kind of just uh, you you have no idea what to walk in and to it expect, you know, as the judge decides what his fate is. And by the way, this is federal time. So if you get 36 months, you're going to serve 36 months. Yes, that is correct. And that's in addition to the time he's because once he was arrested, he wasn't released on bail. He was held and incarcerated the whole time. Am I correct? Yes. And so by the time we get to sentencing, he will be 30 months into whatever sentence. He will get um, those days have accumulated and will be towards his sentence as well. Well, the good thing is, if there is a good thing, uh, and I say that loosely, is if he's conv- if he's sentenced to 36 months or 40 months, they can make it consecutive and give him credit for time served. So that doesn't mean he's got 40 more months to do. However, the downside is with federal time, you're going to do every day of that. And then when he's released, he's got the stigma to deal with. And you have that stigma as well. Yeah, absolutely. We've already been labeled. Um, you know, I, I've seen that in in job searching and, and looking for houses and anything. We've already been labeled. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the labels are, are domestic terrorism, which carry a very heavy weight and make it very hard um, to, to live somewhere, to work somewhere, um, without even people knowing the facts, they just automatically judge you. So you were working in corporate business. Uh, are you no longer there or would they, they let you go? Uh, no, they did not. The, the owner was very supportive where I worked. It just got to a point where, um, this kind of consumed my life, especially leading up to trial. And I didn't think that was fair, um, as they are growing businesses for me to be distracted. And so it was kind of like, almost like a leave of absence, resigning sort of thing. Like I need to get my life together and then we'll go back. Here's the reality. And and I'm a, this is a question. We have people that are absolutely convicted that did these horrendous crimes. They leave and they get some sort of celebrity status. They write books, they do a lot of other things, and they become almost like uh, A-listers. Uh, that's not been the case with you. You you used the term earlier, you've been labeled as a domestic terrorist. That comes with a totally different type of feel to it, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, to see your entire life, you know, for for his case and for mine, he was 27 years old, had seven years of his stellar career, and none of that mattered for 10 minutes of his life. Um, And then the same thing for me, because I am, you know, associated with him. We've been canceled on multiple uh, commercial platforms simply for me being associated with him. I'm not charged with a crime. I was not there that day. But for standing in support of him, it has also affected multiple areas of my life. Look, uh, th- that I understand. Uh, I'm not saying I agree with it. You didn't, even if your husband was as guilty as the day is long, and I'm not here to judge, but even if he was, that did not involve you. Right. And, and the, it is affecting me long term, you know, and a lot of, and, and it probably in aspects that we haven't even seen yet. 
So you said when looking for work, when looking for future employment, when looking for housing, you've run into brick walls. Yes. Yeah, because it's just so easy to type in somebody's name in Google and see all the smear campaigns um, that the media has done. And, and of course, I believe it's, you know, there are facts in there, but it's, it's you know, a bias one way or the other. And um, people just take it for what it's worth. And instead of doing investigation or asking questions or whatever it might be, they just don't want anything to do with it. So it is easier to decline, you know, knock it back to whatever situation it might be. It's just easier to do that than to open a, a can of worms, honestly. Well, to be totally honest with you, Sarah, you don't sound like a domestic terrorist to me. And you don't sound like, (laughs) there's nothing you're saying that would raise red flags where I go, oh my goodness, uh, this person is a a big, big danger. Red flag, Will Robinson, Will Robinson, danger, danger. Get away from them. You don't strike me that way at all. Uh, I'm not talking to to Ronald. When he is released, I'll I'll please let him know that option is available. Absolutely. Uh, but one of the things that bothers me, and th- this is a big problem for me, uh, and I'm getting on my soapbox, is a lot of what we what used to pass for news media is not news anymore. And by the way, news stands for Northeast, West, and South. Uh, and it's a made-up term. A lot of what we see nowadays is speculation, opinion, and uh, what might happen. And they are definitely formatted towards certain audiences. Uh, One's more conservative, one's more progressive, or whatever terms people want to use. Facts don't matter. Getting attention on a story is what matters. Am I wrong? No, I believe you're absolutely right. And like you said, it's, it's tailored to their audience, whatever side they lean on. And I think it's very interesting um, that you say that because, you know, we just were in trial for seven days and um, the reporters literally came in for five minutes and then would leave. And so if, instead of gathering the facts to report on, they went off of other people's um work or however you want to put it and threw in their own twist and that their own speculation. Right. And here's what a lot of people do. And uh, my, my wife, Stephanie, I call her the boss and I are agreeing on this. <laughs> they will say, well, I heard it about on such and such news. And I'll ask people these questions. So you're making a judgment about someone you don't know. You've never met, never had any impact or influence on your life. And they go, Correct. Based on the word of someone you don't know, you have no impact, uh, no interaction with, never had an impact on your life, and you're passing judgment based on that. Am I right or wrong? And they go, well, you put it that way, it makes sense. Uh, I guess I should be more open-minded. Right. No, I think that's the thing. Everybody is entitled to their own opinion, but a lot of the times it's an uninformed opinion until they have somebody as an outsider such as you saying that to them, they don't even really understand what they're saying. Oh, they don't. And and, in some people's cases, it's it's very um, hurtful in that, you know, they've they've had their entire life blasted. You know, one of the things, talking about the news media that really affected us early on was right after this happened, the local news released our address. And I was now living as a single, you know, my, my husband was gone. We lived by ourselves. And that was a very scary time where they didn't even think anything of it, but it put our lot, my life at risk. Right. And well, obviously they, they don't care. Uh, so you have used this horrible experience 
uh, as kind of a motivating factor for what you do. And one of the groups you're involved with was Standing the Gap and their website, standingthegap.foundation. What do they do and what are you doing? Yeah, so Stand in the Gap Dot Foundation is a nonprofit that um, was born out of this travesty. And it's really, it's not only for January 6th defendants, it's for anybody that has been affected by the justice system in America. And there's three main things that we focus on. And it's kind of like the past, the present, and the um, future is um, the first one's family services. So as you heard earlier, I didn't get to see my loved one for a year and a half due to restrictions. And even when that finally became available, you know, we went from a, a double income to a single income, but still having all the bills to pay, not right. only that, but having legal bills. And so we started a, a operation called Operation Love Wins, where we fund families to go visit their loved ones um, that are in jail, because it's very important for them to still be involved in the family unit and not have to worry about what bill they're going to miss to be able to pay for that. Um, we also do Reentry because uh, the recidivism rate in America is a very sad thing. And there are um, good people that do bad things, but they shouldn't be judged on that for the rest of their life. And neither the should their loved broken. ones. By the way, the website is standinthegap.foundation. Sarah, thank you so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk radio show. Very much appreciated. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the Law Enforcement Talk radio show. The Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous AM and FM radio stations across the country. We're always adding more affiliate stations. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, which is always free, please do me a favor and tell a friend or two or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.